Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. I am your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we are back this week to talk about Purdue basketball. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, beep. I know. Oh, that that was not as exciting as Purdue basketball should be. <laughs> I was trying to that was, that sounded like That sounded like the football horn. Oh. Um, so <laughs> we, we've had a couple comments on uh, Twitter when I asked people what they wanted to talk about and one of the one of the things that always comes up is basketball. So we're gonna spend the bulk of the podcast today talking about the incoming recruits for next year. Um, we've got three uh, signees, so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about them and what they can add to the team. Uh, but first, we do want to do a little uh, final run through of the Purdue basketball all time great draft that uh, Casey, myself, Kyle, and Travis did last week. Yes, uh, we do. Voting is still open on the website. No, I left it's it open. not. Yeah, I left it open for a week. Close it down. I left it open for a week. I posted it on Friday. And um, I will give you the current results of where we are right now. So right now, 35% uh, of the vote says Casey has the best team. That's Tw- this guy. <laughs> that is you. 32% say Travis, despite the fact that he drafted Stephanie White. 23% say me and Poor Kyle only has 10% of the vote. So, Casey, does that sound about right to you? I mean, obviously I know you think you have the best team, but looking at kind of the spread of uh, where the voting is right now, does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just because uh, yours and Kyle's team are much more reliant on people that uh, your normal fan or just not old fan hasn't heard of, seen or watched play. So, you know, it's hard to vote for a team where their first three picks are all guys named like stretch. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, stretch. You don't see a lot of guys <laughs> no. named Stretch these days. Kind of, kind of just faded into the distance. Um, but I mean, I'm with you. I think it makes sense. I'm actually surprised Travis is not doing better. Just, I mean, I mean, obviously he's in second, but the fact that he's behind you is kind of surprising to me, just because he has Carson and Etwan, and those are two uh, of the most beloved Boilermakers, kind of of recent memory. So. I figured, you know, the name recognition alone for Carson Edwards, I think, is enough to put him in the top two. So um, I think you're getting a lot of love based on people like Hummel, Kramer, and Hammonds. Um, I think those are probably the ones that people are voting on. I mean, obviously, Trevion is is uh, a key piece of your team, but I think when people look at all team, I think people think of guys like Hammonds, Kramer, and Hummel. Um, and I mean, you know, Rick Mount kind of falls into the same category as uh, guys named Stretch, but he at least I think has more longevity because he was m- far more recent, of course, than than the guys that I drafted. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I I didn't want to take Mount. If I had my choice, I was taking Etwan more. But I also knew I'd get more votes if I just put Mount on my team because yeah, you know, people yeah. like him. And you know what? It's it's probably deserved. Mount was incredible. I never saw him play. Yeah, well, I mean, so I'm only either. going I mean... by things I've heard. Um, is that going to convince me more than things I've seen? Like, I'm very familiar with Etwan Moore in the basketball in the last 10 years. So I, I just kind of had to rely on that, you know, Rick Mount is a legend for a reason. So kind of had to take him. And I don't know. Past that, I think my team just makes a lot of sense together. I think that's where I get the biggest edge. But yeah, you also have probably... Glenn Robinson on your team. And there's a very good chance that the way he played, he is a once in a generational guy that literally would not lose any basketball game. Healthy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I mean, I think you make a good point. Your team probably does have the most balance as far as positions go. And you have, I would, I would argue probably the best, like if we were putting a team on the floor, your team probably makes the most sense. Um, but you know, we took different tactics to drafting. I looked at it as more of, like I said, on the, on the site and in the pod, um, the, team the players who were most dominant at the time they played um and i thought that would get a little more recognition unfortunately i'm in third so you know the people have spoken and i will i will handle that the people of course can be wrong and in this case they are but i'll you know i'm not going to challenge the results there will be no audit (laughs) once it's over yeah i mean you did a better service to uh purdue basketball as a legacy um that's what's fun about doing these things you know i've been reading the uh comments on the board been a lot of testimony about guys that i haven't heard of there were guys you drafted i hadn't heard of and it's fun to hear names that you know you forget if you weren't there to see them so that i think that's why we wanted to do it to begin with so regardless of who wins me (laughs) (laughs) it it was a really nice exercise and to like hear some stories about some other players that yeah there's just no way that we would know like yeah there's not digital tape sticking around of all these guys yeah. And I mean, it was, you know, it's a lot of fun. And like you said, everybody went in with kind of a different strategy. And I've I've been reading the comments on the side as well. And, you know, you you see names thrown out like I I mean, just taking a look at what what is on the site right now. Somebody's throwing out Keith Edmondson. I honest to God don't even know who that is. Um, I mean, yeah. I guess I guess he was a member of the final four squad that it was his nickname was Ice. Apparently, I mean, I guess nickname. I'm sure it's a very good nickname. I guess I'm showing my young-ish age for a for a fan here. I mean, I'm 35 years old. I'm not like a young pup here who's – I'm not Jace, for God's sakes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
people are throwing out all these other names, and some of them are very good. I mean, some of them I should have thought of, like Melvin McCants, Billy Keller. Um, I mean, Woody Austin also uh, pretty good, but uh, I don't not as good as Chad, who um, Travis did draft. But I mean, there's a lot of guys who were deserving of being drafted. But I think kind of like you said, some of us, I think all of us probably have soft spots for certain players that we saw play in person. And for me, that made a difference. You know, that that was probably a large part of the reason I drafted guys like Teague and Landry, which I know you you think were bad picks. But, <laughs> you know, for me. Those guys had a special place in my heart. They helped turn the program around. So I, I was pretty happy with those, even if maybe, you know, they weren't the best picks on the board at the time. Yeah, honestly, if you would have taken McCants over Landry, I would have felt a lot better about your team. Yeah. McCants, yeah. There are a I lot of guys. Wrong. There's a lot of guys that are just like straight beasts that didn't make a roster, which, I mean, it talks to the legacy of Purdue basketball, which is very rich and very deep. Yeah. Multi-generational. Well, especially at the center position, like you said, um, I think you said during the draft, I mean, you just look at the number of guys who, who deserve a spot and who didn't even get drafted. I mean, Purdue has such a great legacy at the big man position. So uh, that is one of those things. I mean, you know it, but when you actually look at it and you go through the history and you look at those players, it's something that really sticks out to me. So I think that, the the draft was worth it just to kind of look back on those names and really see the true history of Purdue basketball and how good uh, the center position has been. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, it's a market slogan, but what's up, Trey? It's very clear that, you know, Purdue's just always had big men. They've always been awesome. I got Trey Williams, like my last pick. So, right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's he's a he's he will be remembered as an all time great. I mean, we assume he's going to come back for his please, senior year because, yeah. um, I mean, he he is going through the draft process. Um, he's got time to come back. It's not you know, he's not like signed an agent or anything of that matter. But uh, Ledman next year, if he comes back, it's going to be stretch tray. I'm pretty <laughs> excited. So so assuming Trey comes back, I mean, even if he does little to nothing, he'll still deserve to be on that all-time list. So, uh, and obviously, I think he's going to do quite a bit more than almost nothing. So, he he was deserved uh, uh, of that spot. So, I, I thought that was a great pick, especially late in the game. So, I thought that was a pretty good job. So, uh, before we wrap up this segment of the draft, do you have anything else you want to add uh, or any other pitch you want to make for your own team? Because I know you're probably champing at the bit for that. I'm not even I. There's so much that goes into voting. Like, there's no. I know I give a lot of shit that I'm that my team was the best, but like, <laughs> there's there's no like real. There's too many variables on how people vote and why they voted to take too much stock in it. I will say though, I think Trey's going to be really good in the NBA. Like, really sneaky good. It so. Explain that further. I mean, given his size. Where do you think he's going to play? Do you think he's going to have to play the four and develop a three-point shot? Because to me, no, that's... no, 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 that's not the NBA anymore. He's going to be a five. Really? Yeah. Um. So, but he's got to have some sort of jumper. I mean, he has a bit of right. a jumper now, but it's got to improve. Yeah, I, I believe that like his fundamentals for a jumper are there. I just don't. Um, that he's just so good in the post that it actually isn't the smartest shot for him to take jumpers like in college, but I think he has it. Like he's got really good handle. He's quick in short space 
And I just think spacing for him, he's such a good passer. Like, yeah, the passing, the passing, it's, it's something you can learn it, but you're never going to be as good probably of a natural passer as Trey is. He sees the court so well. He's got passing he makes in his pa- soul. Yeah, he makes passes that you just don't see from from the five position. No, so I think the combination of short burst quickness, um, his hands and handle, and his passing, and he's a great rebounder. Um, he is going to be a guy. I He's going to be very weird in the NBA because he's going to end up being uh, almost like Montreal Harris where he's a six-man off the bench that you usually think of like a guard being the guy that just puts up buckets and runs a second team. Only I think it's going to be him. Between dribble handoffs, attacking bigger guys, moving the ball, finding shooters, I think the NBA game where you have more space, more skill around you, just makes his game all the more better. That's why I was excited to have him on an all-time team. There was no way I was leaving him off because if you put elite shooters around him, elite cutters, how, how many how many more assists would he have had a game if A, he had better shooting around him or just guys that could catch cuts and dunk? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the number of assists he lost... He lost last year. I mean, it's easily double digits, but he, high double digits. Because, Without turning the ball over very much for a yes, big man. Because, I mean, he would have people streaking through the lane or open on the opposite side of the court, and he would throw great passes, and the guys just didn't see him coming. Yeah. You know, they're like, he, no one is going to make this pass, even though I'm open. And, and he would make that pass and make it exactly where it needed to be, but – you don't expect that pass in that situation. So they were less prepared than they probably should have been. Yeah. So I, I think in the NBA, he's going to be great. I think he'll have a nice eight to 10 year career. We watched a video that Kyle shared in our group chat. And that is a guy that is, oh, working. Yeah. that is a he, guy that is working his ass off in the off season. Yeah. yeah the honest, honestly, when I watched that video, I was like, Oh, he looks a little too good. I like <laughs> Thankfully he's not a top hundred recruit right now. And that's really hard to jump into that range. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we we do hope he'll be back. Um, I, and I'm only saying I'm that because I think when he's a first-round pick after a Final Four next year, we're all going to be happier for it. Hot take. There <laughs> it is. All right. So speaking of next year, excellent transition there, Casey. Purdue has three folks coming in as freshmen next year, uh, the 2021 recruiting class. And we are going to talk a little bit about each of them. Um the most recent signee uh, just committed actually last month has a very familiar name. Uh, his name is Brian Waddell. You may remember his father, Matt Waddell, uh, who played on Purdue back around the same time uh, of Matt Painter. So he is a Purdue guy uh, through and through, and he is listed, uh, just so you know, at 6'7", 175, uh, listed as a small forward, but I mean, who knows exactly um, what he's going to do um, once he gets here to Purdue. So, Casey, what can we expect from a guy like uh, Brian Waddell as he comes in next year? Next year, nothing. Okay, all right. Next, <laughs> I think he's going to redshirt. I think he okay. is a prime, obvious need to get his body ready for deep yeah. basketball. We have a lot of shooting already, in theory. We have a lot of guards. Um, in theory, Waddell is somewhere between a guard and a forward, a wing, you know, and we have a lot of those. We have two more coming in in this draft class or in this recruiting class with him. I don't know where he would get minutes next year. Yeah, I don't either. And and like you said, the biggest thing for me is the body. I mean, you know, he like I said, he's listed at six, seven, 175 pounds. Uh, that is not a big gentleman, uh, you know. 
I am five six and I'm rocking at about one forty seven. Uh, so, uh, you know, you add a foot, <laughs> but yet thirty pounds. I know what that looks like, and that is not that is not a uh, guy who may uh, keep up in the Big Ten meat grinder. So that's what I would worry about with Waddell. Should uh, he? need to come in and play next year. That would be the thing that would worry me. Yeah. And we've got plenty of guys on the roster that chose to go that way. You know, we've got Sasha right now, Aaron Wheeler on his way out. Um, Painter has made a show of, you know, redshirting these kind of people, the kind of players that he wished he would have redshirted their first year. Um, Ryan Klein, Ryan, Ryan Smith is, is always the number one. Ryan Smith is the number one. Cause his body wasn't ready and literally didn't play. Ryan Klein was ready to play from day one, but just minute wise. And like, if Painter could have had him for another year, oh yeah, huge. And oh yeah, is ten to twelve minutes a game worth it for that? And for Brian Waddell, I doubt he gets to five a game. Um, yeah, we we've yeah. got a guy on our bench who is a tall guard, lanky, who didn't play last year. Ethan Morton is going to eat up the minutes that we think we have available. Yeah, yeah, especially especially Waddell. because Ethan Morton will be recovered from the mono uh, that he had in the off season. Or, He'll get to yeah, practice. Yes, yes. And I mean, the same thing happened to Dakota Mathias. Dakota Mathias had mono as well, and then he came in his first year, and he didn't look anything like the Dakota Mathias that we came to know those next three seasons. So he is, a, to me, he's a good comparison for Morton, not necessarily on you know the exact carbon copy type of player, but on what a an offseason of actual conditioning and being able to practice can do for you. Because when Matthias came back his sophomore year, that's the player we expected versus what he was his freshman year. And I think that's going to be a similar situation for Morton now that he does have that entire offseason to, to get back in shape, to get his body right. Uh, and and to be ready for for his sophomore season. Yeah, when I when Ethan Morton came to campus, I, I described him as Dakota Mathias quickness with Ryan Klein's size. That's a good. I mean, I'll take that. Right. He's not as much of a shooter as either of those two. Brian Waddell brings more of the shooting. Um, yeah. If you're talking about Brian Waddell himself as a player, I know you want Purdue comparisons for these guys. Don't just say his dad. I'm not going to say his dad. I'm not going to okay. say a Purdue player. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to break. Well, you know, as, as and, long as you can tell somebody, people who, somebody who people would know, you Duncan know, it doesn't Robinson. Have, okay. Everybody knows who that yes. is. That's fair. Um, now you explain know, why, why do you think that? So Duncan Robinson came from a D three school, um, was tall, long arms, really he probably good. Still shooter. is tall. He, he didn't, he, he is very tall. Yeah. Yeah. Less tall in the NBA than in college. But, Weird how that works yeah. with so many people. Um, so really above average height for someone that plays as a guard and that is a sharpshooter. That means you can get your shot off. He's also was um, the biggest thing that I think is Duncan Robinson got a lot of flack for being so scrawny and skinny because he was very scrawny and skinny, but that didn't matter when he was on the court, he was tough and he made up for it with size, quickness, being where he should be. And if you're that tall, you can shoot over guys, especially if you're playing right. guard. And if you're that tall, you can bother guys if you try, if you're there, if you're in the right spot. And that's what Brian Waddell put a little strength on his uh, frame, but just like really hone in. You know, Dakota Mathias made himself into a defensive guard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rayfield Davis did the same thing. You don't just, you just 
you aren't just a defensive player all of a sudden. You make yourself into one. You can build some athleticism, especially that left-to-right horizontal quickness. That's what Brian Waddell has to work on for the next year or two. And then all of a sudden, he becomes this really long wing that can shoot from anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... I tend to agree with you. I think Waddell is headed to a red shirt. Um, I'm sure that conversation has happened between Painter, um, Waddell, and probably his parents, which Painter's already mentioned it that he's talked to him about red shirting. I would have, I would have liked to have been in that room when, you know, former teammate of Matt Painter, Matt Waddell comes in and (laughs) they're talking and I'm sure Brian Waddell's like, Hey guys, we're talking about me. They're probably going back and forth with like, Hey, remember that time? And blah, 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 you know, you'll get your scholarship. Just calm down. Yeah, Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so looks like we, uh, we both agree, Brian Waddell, probably heading to a red shirt. Um, we've got two additional signees for this class, but before we get to the next one, we are going to take a break, hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back to talk about Caleb first. All right, everybody. Welcome back. As I said, we are now going to talk about the second signee, uh, for the 2021 class name of Caleb first. Listed as a center, though he is only 6'9", so as we know at Purdue, you can only be a center if you're over 7 foot, so we're not sure uh, about that. Listed at 6'9", 215, uh, out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, at Blackhawk Christian, rated as 51st nationally and 7th at his position. Um, he committed to Purdue just over a year ago um, in March of 2020. Um, I know Caleb First is one of those guys that you really are going to want on your team. You're going to want to know about him before he comes in. He was the first commitment uh, for this 2021 class. So, uh, Casey, tell me what we need to know about Mr. First. All right. So, Caleb is a bit of a tweener in the old school basketball because he's in the- uh, Purdue has him listed at 6'10", 230. Decent body, long arms, um, pretty good athleticism, really good rebounder. At uh, He averaged 13 rebounds a game. But what you have to be really excited about is he has this. it This balanced offensive attack where he's really good in the post, either with his back to the basket or facing two. Uh, really good offensive rebound, a good cutter, and has a decent shot. He's got nice touch around the rim. And he's a pretty good passer. He did a little bit of everything. He averaged uh, over 20 points, over 13 rebounds, over three assists a game as a junior. Um, and he's Mr. Indiana Basketball. Uh, that Love is it. a big deal. Yes. Uh, he's got offers from Michigan State, Louisville, North Carolina, Virginia, Ohio State. This Those kid are is programs. a player. Yeah. So go- going back to, you know, we just a minute ago, we're talking about uh, Trevion Williams. So we assume Trevion Williams is going to come back. Trevion Williams is going to get a lot of minutes. And not only that, but Zach Eady is apparently 7'6 now. Maybe by the time the season <laughs> starts, he'll be 7'8, 7'9. Who knows? Um, Eady, you can't keep him off the floor either. You know, we got to play those guys. We got to ride those guys as many minutes as they can handle. Um, you know, fouls, you know, limiting what they may. So if first truly is listed as a center, where is he going to get minutes? Are we going to play him at the four? And is he going to be able to play defense at the four? He's absolutely skilled enough to play the four on offense. No doubt about it. He can stretch the floor. He can move. He's quick. Um, Really good off-ball rebounder from the other side of the court. Uh, Defense, you know, you touched on it. That is the problem. I don't know how quick he is to guard legit talent with the ball. Also don't know how much threatening uh, players at the four there are in the Big Ten now. You know, the Big Ten has really lacked those super athletes, super scorers 
that really tests the guy, especially, you know, at that prime position of forward center. So I don't know if I'm super worried about it, but he does. He lacks a little quickness and awareness to me on the defensive end. That worries me a little bit. Okay, but uh, but as you said when we we're talking about what else, that's something you can you can gain, Absolutely. something you can learn, a mentality you can build up. And Purdue has done a great job of building that up in players like you mentioned Matthias, you mentioned Davis. So that is something that can come with time. So if if I throw Caleb first onto the team next year, who is he playing behind, or who is he jumping in front of on the team? I think he's behind Gillis. And I think he's a break in case of emergency center. I don't think I see much of a three out of him at all. I I, I think he's got to play a big man spot. Um, If Gillis doesn't improve his shooting and our defense at the perimeter gets better, you could see the upside of first offense taking a few minutes away from Gillis. Okay. Okay, and he could be a guy then you're thinking that if if Gillis has a bad run, you know, if he's in the starting lineup, Gillis gets benched for a game, maybe first goes in just to kind of send a message or get a change of pace. I don't even think it's send a message. It's just uh, first is longer than Gillis and much better at the basket. So if you're talking about playing with Trey and catching those, you know, no-look passes that we were talking about, right? first is made to do that. I think he could be a really, really good player next to uh, Trevion Williams on offense. So they could, so they'd be a good combo, you think? Yes. Okay, and obviously that'll be important because, like we both we both said, Trevion is going to be he's going to be the player next year on this team. So anybody who can work well and gel with him on the floor is going to make the team exponentially better. I do, I, I but I do. I do view first this year as just an an extraordinary luxury item. I don't think we need him at all next year. <laughs> I hope he's not listening, and I hope that scholarship paperwork has already been signed. Levin, I don't think we need him at all this year. His sophomore year is when first we absolutely need him and going forward. Okay. I get uh, that. I get that. It's just because we have Trey, and we we didn't expect this to happen from Edie. Also, oh, I don't yeah, think no, we expected Mason Gillis to start pretty much every game of the season. No, no. Like, these guys all played much better. I think first, it's very hard, you know, it, Painter gave an interview to The Athletic, and he talked about how difficult it is to learn two positions in one year. And that's what they're going to have to ask of first. So I don't know if that's going to lag behind his freshman year where he's not quite, quite as good at either position as he should be. But... When he gets into his sophomore year, it's going to be – he's going to be putting in, you know, 15 minutes at center and 15 minutes at power forward. So with Caleb first, is there a Purdue player, you know, former or someone around the Big Ten or someone we would all know who you can compare his game to? This It's going to feel a little bit like cheating because he's also a left-hander with this, you know, big frame, but good athleticism. I think he's going to be what Scotty Martin should have been. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> So, A, he's left-handed. He's big. He's not. I don't think he's going to play the perimeter as much as Scotty Martin did. And I think that's a good thing because Caleb First has a really good uh, drop step, really good hook shot, touch around the paint. But he can stretch the floor a little bit. But I think he does want to be a big man. And 
I, I think Scotty Barton, you know, really got caught up just being a three point shooter, staying out in the wing. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did. He did not want to play down no. low. And I first does not like, he will go grab rebounds. He will go play hard. He will uh, like be in the paint and be a beast at it. And so I think he has Scotty Martin's body and athleticism, but he will play down low. So oh, almost the difference then would be he, like you said, Scott, it would be like if Scott Martin had that mentality of, I will do whatever the coaches want. I will get in there. I will get dirty. I will do the dirty work kind of mentality. Yeah. In a body and athleticism that just makes you salivate with the amount of skill that he has. Yeah. Which, I mean, I know Scott Martin gets a lot of crap around Purdue websites and Purdue Twitter and everything, but he, he, he didn't like the situation he was in. He went somewhere else. Unfortunately, it was Notre Dame. So that makes it even worse for him as far as Purdue fans go. But I mean, he was certainly a talented kid, and especially with him being left-handed, the possibilities for what he could have done at Purdue uh, with the rest of the baby boilers were were very high. So if he could have stuck around, I mean, I think he would have been a great player at Purdue. So to have somebody who comes in with the right mentality, the right attitude, and kind of a similar skill set would be a huge, huge get for Purdue. Yeah, I think first is going to have an ideal situation where he gets to learn his first year. Not too much pressure. He's going to excite the crowd. And then sophomore year on, it's going to be, you know, his team. And we'll see if Ivy sticks around for another year. But if no, not, uh, there's going to be a lot that. of shots. Yeah. A lot of shots and offense available. So just to summarize, it sounds like Caleb's first year might be a little difficult. But after that, it's all gravy. I had to get one. Does Travis, like, pay you per pun? What is happening here? <laughs> yeah, I get, I get just 20 bucks. Him? I get 20 bucks for every pun I make. So I, I have a, I have a list I send to him each week. So <laughs> I will move on to the last player. I'll let that go. Um, the last player um, in the 2021 class for Purdue is probably the jewel of the class. Uh, Trey Kaufman Wren. Yes, it is uh, hyphenated Kaufman Wren. I know you've probably seen it a lot as Trey Kaufman, um, but they Purdue and, uh, his family have made it clear it is Trey Kaufman Wren. So get used to seeing that and uh, try not to get confused. We don't want it to be a Vince Vincent situation. So uh, he is a power forward, 6'8", 210, according to Rivals. He's from uh, Sellersburg, Indiana. So that makes three of three players uh, in this class all from Indiana because I failed to mention Brian Waddell is actually from Carmel. So all three other players in this class are uh, – coming out of the state of Indiana. So that's really good uh, if you're interested in the locking down the state theory. Um, he is listed at Rivals 38th nationally and 8th at his position. Um, so obviously 38th nationally, pretty darn good. Um, so Casey, what do I need to know about Trey Kaufman-Wren? Um, I don't know why people are calling him a four. I mean, I would assume it's because he's 6'8 and 210. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. He is the kind of athlete, skill player. He's the game-breaking three. That's his okay. ceiling. So I know there was a lot of there was a lot of hubbub uh, with recruiting because, like I said, Caleb first uh, committed in March of 2020 – and Purdue still continued to recruit um, Kaufman Wren, and he committed in October of 2020, so just about seven months later. 
and there was a question of if we get first, are we not going to get Kaufman Wren? Because a lot of people kind of said they were similar players. You don't want to really take two of the same player in the same um, recruiting class. So you don't buy that. You think uh, first would be more of a four and Kaufman Wren is going to play the three so they can coexist. Uh, I mean, absolutely. And also you at the time of when they both committed, they were both uh, top 40 players. And you don't say no to any top 40 player. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. You find, a, exact you find a way position. to make it work. Yeah. Um, Kaufman Wren is uh, much more skilled as a shot maker with the ball in his hand um, from every level. Uh, can shoot from mid-range, deep, inside. Has great athleticism, as you said. Has an amazing body, a lot of length. His ceiling is higher than first. Um, there's no way around it because the way he moves, the way he gets into the lane, um, you are talking like all American, all just an absolute game wrecker with his size on both ends. You think he has that kind of potential? You think he has all American potential? Absolutely. All right. Um, I see him playing much more next year. Uh, I'm going to describe it this way. I think his floor and this is going to be uh, the start of my comparison to Purdue players. Okay, all right. This floor is Vincent Edwards. Oh, my. Yeah. That's a high floor. That's, that's a very that's like, high floor. That's like starting out on floor 30. Yeah. So you, if, if you think that's his floor, obviously his ceiling's got to be All-American, like you said. Um, so how, how confident are you that you can give a guy that kind of floor? I mean, that's, that's very high. I, so he already comes to campus with all the skills that make him a super valuable player from day one. He can shoot the ball, he can make plays, he can defend, and he's got length and size. I don't think there's any way he fails as a player. <laughs> oh my, that that just feels like a like you're waiting to curse. I get it, but he was built in a lab. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't have extreme athleticism, so he's not so he's not a Duke. Well, I mean, Vincent Edwards didn't have extreme nope, athleticism either, so so I, I, I would say that uh, tracks with your comparison, I guess. Yeah, but I really like his footwork. I like his handle. Um, I really like his shot. It's effortless. He can get it from anywhere with his size. And if you match that with, you know, uh, I really look at a lineup with him and Jaden Ivey and just those two alone next to, you know, you can either – Go Sasha Savanovich as a shooter to spread it out. Um, you know, just you have danger everywhere. We we watch what Javen and Ivy could do getting more comfortable as the year went along. I expect I expect if there is a freshman that's gonna break into the starting lineup, um, uh, and that's gonna push Sasha out of the starting lineup. Oh. It's gonna be Kaufman Wren. That's bold. I mean, Sasha's been starting for quite a while. He has. He's also really struggled in the biggest games and guarding those athletes, big guys. And I, I don't think Kaufman Wren's going to struggle on defense uh, towards the end of the year against any type of player. I think he can defend the three just fine. And his offensive potential makes Eric Hunter um, a perfectly viable uh, guard next to him or Brandon Newman. Uh, the link that we could have next year is alarming. When you think of Newman 
and Kaufman ran off ball with whatever big four you want to put in there, whatever center you want to put in there. Right. We And then Ivy, a point guard. Uh, we are going to be a very large team yeah, without yeah. sacrificing skill. Yeah, and length is always something, at least during the Matt Painter era, that, that Purdue has struggled with. When you when you saw a lot of those early losses in the NCAA tournament, and by early I mean early in Painter's career at Purdue, often it was the other team was longer than us. They you know they had length, they were faster, whatever it may be. But often it was we were dealing with teams with length, and Purdue simply didn't have it. So it's quite a turnaround to be a team now that maybe has the length that other teams have trouble with. And with these guys coming in, it sounds like we could be in that position. I'm really excited, Levin. I, I can tell. I'm I can really tell. excited. I can tell. So, you know, that's good news. It sounds like these guys are going to, at least, you know, First and Kaufman Wren can come in and, and make a difference next year. Waddell, like we talked about, likely going to be a red shirt, um, but he could make a difference um, as he goes throughout his career. And given that he does have a connection to Purdue, I would hope that um, he would be somebody who would stick around through the red shirt. Um, even though that didn't work for Kendall Stevens. But, uh, you know, Painter has had some bad luck with redshirt folks sticking around through that extra year. But let's ultimately hope Wait, that what? it will be worth it. Kendall Stevens didn't redshirt. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about just staying around oh. because you're a, a legacy. Sorry, that wasn't clear, but you get the idea. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was one of those things we did. Everybody just assumed he wouldn't transfer because he was, you know, had that connection to Purdue uh, with his dad. But he, he ended up leaving. And, you know, like I said, best best of luck to anybody who transfers. I hold no ill will. You know, whatever they want to do, I hope they find a situation that works for him. So um, hopefully Waddell does not fall into that camp, though, and, and we can get him into a situation to succeed and, and he can add something to Purdue. So. I can't imagine he didn't come in with that expectation. Yeah, I would. Think I, he, so. He's seen the roster. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty yeah. clear. And and when you commit this late in, um, you know, in the uh, process, you know what you're doing. Um, they've been very clear with you, so that's something you have to understand. So, um, it sounds like we got a bunch of good folks coming in. We're gonna be really excited for them. Uh, that is all we're going to do on this episode of the podcast. We're not going to talk about the entirety of next season and what our expectations are. We will do that later on. Um, so that is it on those guys. And uh, we do always end the podcast with a recommendation. It is my turn this week. And I've previously done a television show, a book. Um, this week I'm actually going to do a podcast, kind of like what Casey did a couple weeks back. Um, so – this is – I won't say it's a political podcast, but it's a podcast about uh, elections, and it's called Wicked Game, and they do an episode on literally every presidential election in American history. And for someone who loves uh, loves United States history, to be able to listen to you know what went on in these elections 100, uh, 200 years ago is just fascinating. I mean you hear about like the yellow journalism – uh, the weird pamphlets that get thrown around, um, you know, the insults the candidates were throwing at one another. Um, it's just kind of fascinating. I, I just I love that kind of stuff. And it's it's a really well done podcast. I do have some critiques of it, um, but it is I think it's a very good listen. And obviously there's there's one episode for every single election. Um, and I mean, they went all the way up to 2020. They just they waited until after the election, obviously. Um, and then recorded um, kind of a 
a, a last second edition to the podcast. So there's one for every single uh, American presidential election. So it's pretty fascinating. I'm a little mad you've never personally uh, suggested this to me. Uh, I actually did personally recommend this to you in the group chat. I told you all I was listening to a podcast about it, and you asked me for the name, and I sent it to you. I, this sounds like a lie. It, it You're is playing true. wicked games with me, Ledman. It, oh, see, <laughs> I will say, if, if, if anybody out there is going to listen to it, be prepared for this one thing that drives me crazy. So the, it's – there's one guy on it. Like it's one host. He does everything. So he introduces the story. He tells the story. He does him and only him does like, um, the reenactments. So he does every voice in a reenactment. Like if there are three people talking, he does them all, which is kind of jarring at first, but you get used to it. But he's got this weird quirk where he says like things are short lived, but he says, but, it was short-lived. And you're like, what? Short-lived? That's not – people don't say that. Um, but y you get used to it. He only does it you know, every few episodes, so it's not a big deal. But um, like I said, it's just – if you're into American history, it is a fascinating listen. So um, once again, the name of the podcast is Wicked Game. Um, I would recommend it. I think it's a fun listen, and you get to learn along the way. And isn't that why we're all here? No. Oh, no. Okay. Well, that's why I'm here. I'm here for the freeze t-shirts. Oh, I don't think they have free t-shirts. That's mm. a shame. So Casey is out. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it's going to be a good listen to it for you, I hope. Like I said, U.S. history fans, you're going to enjoy it. Um, and I'm not making it as a political reference, so don't come at me in the mentions. I'm our, not. Our next episode is going to be which president is which <laughs> Purdue basketball player. Yes. One yeah. through 47. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. How many presidents are there? You were close. It's 46. <sighs> Although, unless – it depends on how you count uh, Grover Cleveland. So it's actually 45, but everybody – you know, like Trump called himself 45. People called him 45. Uh, okay, people nerd. Called, people called Obama 44. Nerd. So listen, but that was – Grover Cleveland then had two numbers. So you're not going to like renumber the whole thing. So it was a situation. It's – it's not important right now, but, you know, that's what I'm saying. So, all right. For Casey and myself, thank you for joining us yet again this week. Make sure to rate, like, and hammer that subscribe button. We want everybody to listen to this show. Barbecue we want sauce. That, we, want, we want that ad Damn, money, it was baby. early. You were. We want that ad money, baby, so bring it in. Share it. Subscribe. Like. Hammer that subscribe button. Tell your friends. Let's go. Barbecue sauce.